Welcome to 15 to Life, the podcast that talks about life after life in prison. Come with us on a journey and explore stories from within the prison walls to outside the prison walls. All of these podcasts are dedicated to the victims of crime. Hey everyone, what's going on? It's Tito, the host of the podcast, 15 to Life, the podcast where we talk about life after having a life sentence in prison. So today I want to talk about showing up to Mainline, you know, your first day. So I've talked about this a little bit before, but in California, when you go through the prison system, or I should say when you get to prison, you first go to a reception center. So a reception center is is a place like San Quentin. Um, you got Tracy. You got a handful of them based on, you know, North and South California. And basically you go there and you get assessed, right? So you can sit there anywhere from six weeks to six months to sometimes even longer, depending on if there's a bunch of things they're trying to determine about you or if they're waiting on some paperwork or whatever it may be, right? And it sucks because in reception, you're you're kind of like a hair above county jail. You know, you're in prison, but you don't get all the full benefits of prison. And I know that might sound funny, but once you hit a main line to where you're, you know, basically like if you watch all the movies and stuff and you see guys in orange, that's reception center. Once you see them in their blues, California, then that's mainline, right? And if you get put in the whites, um, yeah, that means you're in ad seg or administrative segregation or the whole. So anyway, so the whole thing is, is mainline is where you're going to be, right? And and mind you, all the prisons have mainline there all have administrative segregation and then a handful of prisons have the shoe which is the security housing unit that's the 23 hours a day you're on lockdown but even in ad seg you know there's days you're locked down 24 hours a day if you don't have yard and if you don't have shower time so and then sometimes that gets stripped away so anyway um a lot of misconceptions with what prison really is some people think prison is locked down 23 hours a day and some people think that that Prison is all non-contact visits, which is not true um, unless you do something wrong. Um, behind the glass visits are pretty much county jail and reception center prison. And if you screw up in prison and for some reason you lose your contact visits, you you they do have non-contact visits for administrative segregation as well. And uh, depending on the shoe, you know, what you're in for and all that good fun stuff. But anyway, back to the story, right? So showing up at a prison. So I'll never forget, um, you know, in San Quentin, they uh, basically make the announcement late at night, right? Um, and it's like right before a third um, watch comes on, you know, the, the midnight watch. And they basically um, will, will make an announcement and say the following people are on the bus. And then they start listing off prisons, right? And they'll say, you know... Old Folsom, and they start saying last names, and then they'll say, you know, whatever, blah, blah, and they go through this whole cadence, and, you know, to be honest, you're kind of, unless you haven't made it to store and you're worried about your money getting tied up and left in San Quentin or wherever you're doing your reception time at, 
you know, you want to hear your name because you're you're like ready to go. You want to get started doing your time and get on a main line where you can get a job and do all the other stuff, go to yard regularly and all that fun junk. But anyway, I did about two months, um, and I could look through my paperwork to figure it out, but basically two months in reception at San Quentin. And I didn't think I'd get called as quickly as I did. And usually you had some kind of, you know, you kind of knew it was happening or whatever. And I don't remember. It was one of two things. Excuse my memory. It's been a while, but um, yeah, it's been 20 years basically. But um, so I either had tobacco coming that I already paid for that I was trying to hustle or I had some money in store. It was one of the two. I don't remember which one, but needless to say, I was waiting on something. The next thing you know, um, I don't hear my name at night. This was the messed up thing. So I had no preparation. Uh, they call out the names at night, right? Go through all the names. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm still here. So, you know, I just go to bed. I, it's not, the, the thing is, is when they call your name, you pack your stuff, right? And I know you're probably thinking, well, you probably don't have too much stuff. In reception, you don't. But you might have some canteen, you might have letters and crap, and you might have pictures on the wall. You know, all that fun junk that you see in the movies and TV. So I just go to sleep. Now, mind you, they pull you early in the morning before breakfast and all that crap to get on the bus. So they come by, bang on the the, the bar, you know, because San Quentin is bars, right? They're like, Guerrero, you're ready. We'll, we'll come to get you in a minute for the bus. And I'm like, I ain't on the bus. They're like, man, you're on the bus. You better pack your shit. And I'm like, oh, damn it. So I'm like throwing crap in it. I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like leaving stuff behind for my celly. And I, I'm just like, shit. You know, they, they didn't even call me. Like, I, I didn't get a chance to try to even get on the phone or write a letter to say, hey, I'm leaving. And, you know, my parents come up and visit. So I'm like, this is all jacked up. Oh, it's all bad. And worst off, I have no freaking idea where I'm going. So I'm like, Damn it. So they come get me, take me down to R&R. That's uh, receiving and release, right? So they got me sitting in, and they had, back then, they had like a little chain link fence, like waist high. It, it was kind of like a, a, like like you would see like horses corralled in a, a fence, right? So we're all standing out there freezing our ass off in the in the morning. And, and the Uso Mick, who, who was basically the shot caller for the others in San Quentin, Comes by, he's like, what's up, booze? You leaving? I'm like, man, I, I didn't even know. This is bullshit. He's like, what's up, man? You want some cigarettes and stuff? I'm like, yeah. So he gives me some cigarettes. Mind you, I don't really smoke, but I'm stressed out, so I want to smoke now. So he gives me some cigarettes. He, and I'm like, dude, can you you know, can you know, find out where I'm going? He's like, yeah, hold up, man. Now, Mick, he, he, he had a lot of juice. Uh, matter of fact, he even married a sergeant that, was, uh, that, that worked there in San Quentin, and then she ended up quitting and... Uh, sorry, Yus, if you listen, I'm I'm pretty sure they're still together, together to this day. But anyway, um, so I'm sitting there smoking my little cigarettes. He comes back and goes, "Hey, Yus, um, you going to Solano? I'm pretty sure you're going to Solano because the the, the bus is basically going three places, and you can't go to one, and the other one's a medical facility, so you should be going to Solano." And I'm like, "All right, cool." Is it cool up there? He's like, yeah, man, it's a good prison, man. You you be good. It's not a level four. You go into a level three, so you're going to be straight. And I'm like, cool, man, thanks. He goes, hey, now, now, here's the thing, right? When you show up 
you don't necessarily always get your property all at once or you might not have everything you need, whatever. So a lot of times, if you've been cleared at one institution, when I say cleared, I mean your people don't check you out, you're good. Like you ain't got no shit on your on your name, your jacket's clean, you know, you don't have no rapes and no child molestations and all that fun stuff. Like they send message, right? They'll send send you with a message, you know, to, to, to be okay. And so Mick, he goes, look, when you get there, and mind you, there's four yards at Solano State Prison, right? So who knows what yard I'm going to, although there's only two level threes. So the reality is, is um, I'll be going to one or two yard because one and two yard were the two level three sides. But anyway, so he goes, hey, uh, the Uso over there is JP. Find JP. Just tell him. And mind you, I don't even know I'm delivering any kind of message at all. He just goes, hey, tell JP that, that Mick says what's up. And I hope he's straight. And I go, all right. And he goes, say it just like that. And I was like, all right. And he goes, all right, man, you're going to be cool. Man, I'll, I'll, I'll see you around, right? I'm like, yeah, all right. We're both lifers. I'm like, yeah, I probably won't ever see you again. Needs to say I get on the bus. I end up at Solano. Um, and uh, uh, I get there. <coughs> get all my junk. Uh, at the time... For one yard, which is the yard I ended up going to, one block or one building, uh, so there's six buildings on the yard, right? There's a cluster of three, another cluster of three. So one through three on one side and one through three on the other. Um, and if you can imagine, it kind of looks like a pretzel, except you don't have all the crazy lanes. So it's just like the two like Mickey Mouse ears and then flat at the bottom, and that's basically the the strip where all the program offices, all the cops are at and everything. So needless to say, I get there and there's some, some people that were in San Quentin with me. So right off the bat, people know me, right? They're like, Hey, what's up, man? What's up? And like, I get in the building and I get, uh, I get there and the homies are like, what's up, man? Where are you going? And I'm like, Oh, so whatever it was, I think it was like 108 or 107 or something. And they're like, Oh, no, 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 man. We got to change that. And I'm like, why? Who's in there? They're like, man, that's a northerner cell. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, man, that's a northerner cell, man. You can't go in there. And I'm like, oh, shit. So needless to say, um, you don't go in with other races, right? You just don't do it. Um, you know, anything could jump off. And if something happens between that that racial group and your group, like you're going to be in the cell trying to kill each other, right? So I'm like, man, should I, I'm going to just sit outside. They're like, no, 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 it's all good. And I'm like, hell no, I ain't going in with no northerner. Now, mind you, the reason I don't want to go in with a northerner is because a northerner is a norteño or a northern Mexican, right? Obviously, I'm from northern California. I have a Latin name. So it's very easy to just say, yeah, he's a norteño too. The thing I didn't know was this northerner, he was a kid um, named Silent. And uh, Silent, he was an other just like me, but he's a northerner. So, because he's from, you know, like Central America and stuff. So, although he's an other, what they did was they put us together because we're others, but they weren't supposed to because his other classification is northerner. 
Needless to say, the homies are like, don't worry, we got a homie in the program office. We're going to get you moved. Just go in there for now because there ain't no other beds. So I'm like, all right, man, whatever. <clears throat> go in there. I meet this dude. And he's like, hey, what's up, homie? You know, all this stuff. And when I explain to him, hey, man, I ain't, no disrespect, I ain't your homie. He's like, oh, shit. Hey, don't trip, man. You know, it's all good. And I'm like, he's offering me stuff. And I'm like, nah, bro, I'm good. He's like, hey, man, I know, I know, I know. You you think I'm trying to play you or whatever. I'm telling you I'm not. I'm like, yeah, I'm straight, homie. You know, I got a life sentence. He's like, yeah, me too. And, and we get to talking, and this dude seems pretty cool, but I'm still on my toes because I, I just don't know. You know what I mean? Um, th this dude is in a gang, in a prison gang, or or what do they call it, a, a, a disorderly group, right? You know, and, and I'm like, he, he could be doing anything to get in good with me to learn some information or whatever. And uh, I just don't trust him. But at the same time, my personality, I've always felt that I've been pretty good at reading people and everything. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this dude's like, he's being straight up. He's just trying to be cool. And he's telling me like, you know, like we can do the stuff we're doing while the door is locked. But once the door opens and his homies is walking around, they can see like, you know, he can't share shit with me or anything else. And I'm like... All right, man, you know, I, I respect that. I respect that. So needless to say, um, I think I showed up with like three cans of tuna and like 10 soups. Like it's not like I had a ton of stuff. So he's like, dude, you need some stuff. You want some pork skins to put in with your soups? You want? And I'm like, no, 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 I'll get my stuff. He's like, nah, gives me some candies. Like, dude, just, you know, eat it now or put it in your pocket. Act like one of your homies gave it to you, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, so the, the dude ended up being pretty freaking cool, right? But I had to get moved out of the cell. And then when the unlock comes and the doors pop, I come out of my flip-flops. Now, mind you, um, for the most part in prison, you don't come out the cell without your shoes on. That's kind of like the unwritten rule. I don't care what group you're in and all that. That's just a thing everyone does. Why? Because it's pretty hard to fight or run or do what you got to do in flip-flops, right? So... That was just always the thing, but if you're in a gang, that's mandatory. Like, you get your ass beat if you come out wearing some shower shoes and stuff. The only time you can do that is in the shower, and before you get out of the shower, you gotta have you gotta be suited and booted, you gotta be laced up and everything, right? So, needless to say, I come walking out of my in my chunk clothes, right? My flip flops, and a bunch of these northerners come by, hey, what's up, homie? Hey, homie, you can't be out here in your chunk clothes, and blah 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 blah. And I'm like, hey, man, and then Marcelli's silent. He steps up and he's like, hey, y'all, he's the other. He, they just put him in the cell because, you know, I'm down as other. He's going to move. And they're like, oh, okay, no disrespect. I'm like, hey, it's all good, man. You know, what's up, man? Nice to meet y'all. Then I go off with my people. Then because I look white, I got a white dude running up. Hey, what's up, Wood? Hey, what's going on? And I'm like, hey, bro, I'm no disrespect. I ain't a Wood. I'm a other. And he's like, oh, man, no problem. Uh, no disrespect either. I'm like, cool, man. You know, whatever. I'm Tito. Yeah. Keep it moving. Then I get rushed up by a bunch of Samoans and Filipinos, and everyone's like, okay, they, they know that I know people, and they know me already, so they kind of, there ain't no question about who I'm with. Then I got to hit the yard, right? So I get my shoes on and everything. We go out to the yard. There's this huge dude, man. So JP, the Samoan, the shot caller who was on the yard, this dude is huge. He's like six-something, freaking, like, pushing... You know, 275. He's like a big, solid freaking dude. Like, all muscle, this big Samoan dude. Like, typical Samoan dude you, you would think about, right? And, um, like, I come up. 
JP always wore sunglasses, like freaking always wore sunglasses, right? So he's got these sunglasses on. He's like, what's up? And I'm like, hey, what's up, man? Uh, my name's Tito. He's like, where you come from? And I'm like, uh, I just came from San Quentin. He's like, yeah, but where are you from? And I'm like, uh, from from Berkeley, California, you know. He's like, oh, yeah? He's like, who you run with? And I'm like, no, I don't bang or nothing. He's like, oh, so you are other? Yeah, what are you? I'm Peruvian. Like, I'm breaking everything down. And he's like, all right. And I go, hey, um, uh, you know, I came from San Quentin, uh, uh, the Uso Mick said, you know, say what's up and, you know, hope everything's straight and all, you know, and he's like, he's like, oh, you know Mick? And I go, yeah. And he goes, how's he doing? I'm like, he's good, man. He's good. You know, he's over there in Badger section, taking care of the homies, you know, blah, blah. And I give him a bunch of stuff and he's like, all right. And then he uh, kicks me over to this other cat, has him take me a bolo, sala. So the Samoan cat hit a lap or two around the track and kind of breaks everything down. So he's schooling me on where the Southerners, where their area is, where, you know, basically where we can't go, where the whites, where the woods are, where the Northerners are, where the blacks are, where the whites are, the different factions of each of those groups, you know, where the Border Brothers or the Paisas or the Mexican Nationals, whatever you want to call them, where they're at. Like, who's funking with who right now? You know, what you know what kind of debts are on the yard? Like, he's breaking the whole thing down. Where our tables are, you know, we're with the AMIs or the, the, the Indians or the Native Americans, right? So, like, the Native Americans had one picnic table, and then we had the other one right next to each other. So, we were always there back to back to watch each other's backs and stuff. And then the Native Americans had a sweat lodge, so it's considered sacred land, so it's fenced off. No one, not even the guards, can go in there. That's where they do all their spiritual stuff. So it, it was like getting this rush, hardcore, you know, prison introduction, you know, the do's and don'ts and where you can go and where you can't. And, and I'm just like, man. And um, then they're like, you know, so what you go by? And I'm like, Tito. And they're like, no, no, but, you know, what, what you go by, like, on the streets. And I'm like, uh, Tito, <laughs> you know. And they're like, nah, man, that can't be your name. And I'm like, yeah, no, no bro, that's, it's Tito. It's all good. Like, that, that's my name. So after, like, a week or two, like, my whole thing was, you know, I was been drinking water for so long. And, you know, in county jail, you could buy the sodas and stuff. But it was, like, water, 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 water. So I was, like, getting everyone's Kool-Aid. I don't know why that Kool-Aid tasted, like, so good when I first got there. Later on, I couldn't stand it, but it tasted so good. Like, I was grabbing everyone's Kool-Aids and making Kool-Aid every day. So the dude, Sala Bolo, he's like, he's like, bro, we're going to call you Kool-Aid. And I'll never forget, I might not have cared about that too much, except for the fact there was this black dude on Two Yard that went by Kool-Aid but the reason why was this dude was like damn near 500 pounds and used to like smuggle stuff in the folds of his fatness out of the kitchen. I'm like, nah, bro, don't ever in your life call me Kool-Aid. Matter of fact, just call me Peru. So a lot of the guys in prison, if they don't know me by Tito, they know me by Peru. <laughs> but anyway, so that that's what it's like showing up to a main line. I mean, that, that was the big thing was 
getting to know where I could go, who I could be with. If I got issues, like it was like literally getting the breakdown of, you know, who's your emergency contacts and, you know, if you don't have enough money, what's your overdraft protection? It's like, it's like all that stuff wrapped up. And if you need credit, if you want to gamble, if you want to do this, if you want to drink, if you want to smoke, if you want to, all that crap was like just ran down to me. And um, the funny thing is, the northerner dude, Silent, um, we remained cool for the whole time I was there on the level three side, he would go on lockdown because they would get into fights either with the Southerners or with the whites or with whatever. And I would get packages for him through other people, bring him the package because I had a little bit of pull later on, right? And I could get like, leave the stuff on his door and they would let him get it when he comes out for showers and stuff or they would give it to him. And, and like some of my people at first, they were like, man, what's up with that? I'm like, man, this dude gave me, gave me stuff. He gave me like some cigars and stuff when I when we were sellies for like a whole day and a half and everything. And he would always give me stuff and visiting and all kinds of stuff. So I was like, man, this dude, he's technically he's a homie. He just, you know, he bangs. And so that's what he's doing. But, you know, this, this is my thing. And they respected that. I'm sure some people probably didn't. Any of y'all listening, you know, oh, well, suck it up, you know. Um, but the reality is, is. The dude showed me some love, so and continuously did. Like anytime he got a package or whatever, he'd break me stuff off. He didn't have to do that, and I'm I'm sure he had to deal with his people talking shit to him too. So, you know, the, it's just how it is, man. And and but it's hard because once again in prison, like there's so much freaking segregation, and you're 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 told day in and day out by the people, the inmates by the guards, by everyone in there, that you have to be segregated. And then people wonder why people come out with their heads all messed up. And for those of us who come out and our heads aren't all messed up like that, um, not that people should give us credit, uh, I'll never say that, but it ain't easy, man. You could go in not having any prejudice bone in your body and leave being freaking racist. Um, just because of the stuff you see and or if you get jumped by some other race just because of the color of your skin or because of the people you have to associate with while you're in there that that could do something to someone and um, I think it's funny I just posted something on LinkedIn um, there's this article talking about how and I'm probably going to mess this up so excuse me but Texas, Ohio, Florida and Arizona and there might be one other one uh, states are banning a whole bunch of books everything down to freaking like harry potter to some romance novels to anatomy books to books on how to learn how to play chess and stuff because they're saying they're they perpetuate sexual innuendos and and violence and segregation i'm like like some of the books like don't get me wrong nudie books and stuff i get it but at the same time would you rather people go homosexual or masturbate you know i'm just gonna say it like which is worse or better or whatever you want to look at it and when it comes to books that have anatomy that's not nudity there's a guy in there trying to learn why would you take that away or a book that like uh one of the books that was confiscated was a physics book like for the love of god why would you do that um when you give someone a reason to do good so that they don't lose privileges like that they do better and they'll stay out of shit. It's just the truth. And I even put on the LinkedIn um, post, 
because I heard something right afterwards too on uh, CBS. Um, they were doing an editorial on it, and the lady said uh, it's a proven um, uh, fact in in many prisons. They've done these these tests where for every dollar that's spent on educating inmates, it's worth $5 in reducing recidivism on the back end. And I think that's very true because when you invest in these individuals, they like really invest. And I have to stress that. And it has to come from the heart. And a lot of times inmates feel like everything's a BS and, and they're just getting worked over, which I hate to say it a lot of times is the truth. But when inmates get to turn in that, that, that wheel, their hamster gets to running in their head and they get to thinking about ways to better themselves, they need things, mediums to, to go through and, and media to read to, to put together the things that they have to do to better themselves and improve their odds when they get out. So anyway... Um, please, if you're in one of those states, you know, raise your hand and say you want inmates to have that that chance to better themselves. Because the other piece of factual information I'll dump on you is 95% of people that go into the system come back out. Those people are going to be in your neighborhoods. Wouldn't you rather them be better suited to do something good with their life and stay out of trouble and leave you and me and everyone else the hell alone than to not be educated, not have anything to stand on, and to have to resort back to whatever idiotic thing they were doing that got them in prison? Anyway, this is Tito. I'm out of here. This is a long one. It's 25 minutes already. Love y'all. Drop comments. Hit like. Subscribe. Let me know what you want to hear about. Hope y'all are doing well.